Let's do a little celebrating together. Um, I got this sent to me, a series of, of pictures this week sent to me from the Philippines. Here's the first one. You're going, what is that? Well, that is Mike's uh, ministry, the uh, orphanage and ministry in the Philippines. And it's a receipt for us that they have for us uh, that they received $1,391,987 uh, million pesos, Philippine pesos from Desert Stream. All right? And you're going, wow, we are some generous. Let me tell you, it's $36,000. But uh, it's 1,391,987 pesos, all right? And uh, then this is the uh, check from them for the tractor for 1,391,988 pesos, all right, Philippine pesos. And then this is the receipt from the company that they purchased the tractor for. And I cannot read that hen scratch, but it's there. And uh, then this is it being unloaded. Come on now. Praise the Lord. All right, take a look at that. That's a great big uh, uh, cultivating thing they got for the back. And then here's a picture with its, uh, this is their grass bush hog that they've got so they can uh, drive around and cut down all that. I mean, if you've been there before, you know that the stuff, their grass is like each blade's this big around. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, really a different. It isn't like Kentucky bluegrass here. And, uh, and so they just need, to, and they've got sprawling acres of it uh, all over the place. So that's exciting. They're, get, they're getting a bucket for the front as well. They're getting a backhoe for the back. It's going to be able to do everything they need them to do uh, there and this is uh, one of the, the nationals riding the tractor, driving around on it as well, pretty excited. They are absolutely thrilled to have the tractor. So praise the Lord. Isn't that great? Give yourselves a hand. Amen. That is awesome, awesome news. Um, for those that are John Deere fans, I'm sorry, but the John Deere isn't really over in the Philippines. You're looking at Kubota. All right? So, uh, but it is very, very, very exciting. Amen. Well, let me just bring up, uh, today I want to talk to you about being thankful for each other. Everybody say, I'm thankful. Turn to the person beside you and say, I'm thankful for you. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. You know, uh, let's start with our, our memory verse again this morning. Wherever it went. What does the blank screen mean? Does that, uh, that's not usually a good sign. No, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and now, yeah, you'd be seeing time to update your windows. <clears throat> That's what always happens right in the middle of a presentation. Only they could come up with that idea. All right, well, I don't know what's going on here. Yes, I know. It doesn't take much, does it? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, anyway, we're going to have to ignore it this morning. I don't know what's going on here. Shelly, you want to take a look at it? I think it's uh, the app is uh, froze up or something. But anyway. um, uh, Anyway, in 2012, we did a series here as a church on our values as a church. All right? And I uh, might have to reboot it. I think it's uh, completely froze up. Uh, we did a, a series on values of the church. We, 
I remember talking to Glenn Shaver about it, and I said to Glenn, you know, we're going to do a, a, a series, we're going to do a whole year on our values at Desert Stream. And so Glenn said, that's a great idea, and then we chatted about it, and then he said, well, you know, you've got 12 values, right? And I said, well, how do you know we have 12? And he said, well, you have 12 values because, he said, there's 12 months in the year, right? So he said, you're going to have one for each month. And I said, that's good. So then we sat down, and we figured out what the 12 values that we held most uh, valuable, most precious to us as a church were. And we printed, I've printed those up, and they're at the counter at the back. If, if you don't know what they are, I printed a few copies this morning for those who weren't here in 2012. So you can see what the values that we espouse, that we hold true here at uh, Desert Stream. And uh, one of those values, though, that Glenn said to me was the most important value was the value of gratitude. And I said, gratitude? And Glenn said, yeah. He said, Kevin, trust me on this. He said, gratitude is the most foundational value of all values. That if we don't have a heart of gratitude, we have nothing to build on. We have nothing to build on. And I, I started thinking about that and pondering that. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized how true that was. That if we don't have a grateful heart, if we don't have a grateful attitude, we have so little to build on. We have so little to support our life and our other values. Marcus uh, Cicero said that gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, he said, but it's the parent of all the others. Pretty enlightened guy for, you know, a, a Roman uh, emperor, you know, wouldn't you say? Uh, you know, we're looking at and studying spiritual gifts. In particular, uh, we're looking at the moment at motivational gifts, or as I like to call them, the gifts of the Father, because they're about what's written into your DNA. And over the past week, I had so many people tell me how much they enjoyed filling out the survey. It was a bit of an unusual thing to do in church on a Sunday. But the talk afterwards, people saying, oh, you know, it made me... Some, for some people, it was revelatory. I didn't know this about myself. But for other people, they were saying, oh, yeah, it confirms exactly where my attitude comes from, right? And they're saying, now I know why I think the way I do. And uh, so, you know, you get a variety of responses from people, but everybody seemed very excited about the potential there is as we discover who we are, how we're wired, and how we can put that to use in the body of Christ with one another. And uh, so I thought, well, that's great. But what is one of the most important things about knowing uh, your own spiritual gifts is the ability to know somebody else's spiritual gift. And uh, what that does is enable you to see, one of the things you'll notice on the chart, which we didn't count in it, was your, your propensities toward weakness. Remember that when you filled it out? And there were five questions on the bottom of each one about your weaknesses. And the reason we, we, we put that on the bottom of the uh, of the survey is so that you can be aware of the fact that even if you've got something where you're very strong, let's say, for example, in my case, uh, teaching gift was up near the top, right? And But then you look at the bottom and you see what are some of the weaknesses of somebody who's wired with a teaching gift. And you tend to be critical of other people. You tend to, uh, you know, have opinions that are very strong and maybe not open to other people's opinions. And so if you're aware of these things, then you'll also look for other people who will support you in your areas of weakness. And as we grow together, we realize we have strengths, we realize we have weaknesses, we need to be able to celebrate our strengths, but allow others to come into our lives to shore up our weaknesses. And that's how together we become the body, the complete body of Christ is that 
what, where I am strong, uh, somebody else may be weak. But where they are strong, I may be weak. And together, we form a complete picture of the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that should be our goal. Our goal should be to be a whole body, a complete representation of Jesus Christ. Now, next week, what we'll do is we'll compile all that data next week that we brought in. Because remember, you handed in the front sheets so that we have the results of everybody's surveys. We don't have your individual questions. So, you know, we don't have anything in there that says, you know, I hate doing this or I hate doing that. That's your own personal information. But the reason we wanted the totals is because now we'll be able to see uh, how people are gifted. We'll be able to look at different tasks, things that we, we have available in the church, be able to help people get into serving where their area of wiring and gifting is. Uh, it will also help us to be able to realize that, you know, uh, like most churches, uh, you know, the, the giving gift is the smallest one. Most, the least number of people are wired as givers. But it's, it's, it's also the most um, uh, universal in that the people who are givers are, have, a, have a, uh, a lot of the different elements of all of the other gifts operating in their life. And so we'll plot all that. You'll be able to see what Desert Stream looks like. All of the results will be up there on the screen. It'll be very cool. And you'll be able to see the, the composition of, of Desert Stream as a family and how many people were first in this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is that cool? And uh, you'll be able to see that. And it'll help us to be able to be thankful for one another. Amen? And what I want you to do is to get a picture of the church as it's viewed through those uh, images. Thank you. And, uh, and then you'll be, able to, uh, uh, you'll be able to look at that and you'll be able to pray for intelligently for God to work in the lives of all those other giftings that you see represented in the body of Christ. Amen? So, this morning, I want to talk about being thankful for each other. So, in, uh, uh, Paul said, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And then listen to this. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And whatever you do, everybody say, whatever you do. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Everybody say, giving thanks. To God the Father through him. <clears throat> Whatever you do. The motivational gifts that we surveyed are all about how we do life together in the body of Christ. That's what they're essentially about. They're about how we do gifts, uh, life together. They're not about um, our personality per se. You know, They're not about analyzing our emotional scale or anything else like that. They're about looking at how God's wired us to do life together, to interact with one another, to serve one another, to strengthen one another, to build one another. That's really what those gifts are about. And they, they are given to us to identify how we can best invest in one another in the body of Christ. And I love the word investment. Investment's a great word. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the things that I decided to do this past week, and uh, <laughs> this is one of the things you're not supposed to do, but from the pulpit uh, is, is tell your church you're going to change something when you haven't even talked to your board about it yet. But, um, uh, <laughs> but one of the things that uh, you know, I just have been feeling in my heart is that I, I, I want us to change the idea of church membership to church partnership. 
Because, you know, you can be a member of a gym, you can be a member of the Starbucks Rewards Program, you can be a member of you know, Air Canada Rewards Program, you can be a member of the Book of Club, you can be a member of this or a member of that. And membership is all about what I get for my membership. It's all about what I receive, what, what's, what's in it for me. And yet when it comes to the kingdom, it's about what I, what I can give. And partnership is about what I have to contribute as a partner to those who are around me, who I'm in, whom I am in partnership with. So I just said to myself, why are, we, why are we talking about membership? We should be talking about partnership. Does everybody hear what I'm saying this morning? Does that, does that bode well with everybody? Amen? Pardon me? Yeah, well, I'll get it all sorted out and we'll, we'll do that later. But, but everybody understands what I'm saying because, you know, partnership is about, about what I, why, why I'm here is about as a partner to invest. And, uh, and I'm here to in, in invest in other people. I'm here to give my life to other people. And when we start thinking about as partners rather than members, then, then you know, uh, things like church attendance change. Because we're no longer going to church just to get fed. We're going to church to impart something. We're going in church to church to impart worship to our Heavenly Father. We're going to church because God may actually have a word in me for somebody else this morning. There may be somebody I'm supposed to pray for, that I'm supposed to encourage, that I, maybe a, a first-time visitor that I'm supposed to be there to greet and I'll have a connection with, that I, I see myself as being there as a partner with something to contribute. That's why Paul said in the Scripture, he said, how is it, my, my brethren? He said, when you, when you get together, that one of you has a psalm, another one has a, a prophecy, one of you has this, and, and that all those things need to be done together, right, in, in a way, in an orderly fashion and way, and so that we bring glory to God. Because it was all about giving. It was all about contributing. Am I making any sense to anybody? Yeah. Amen. Wasn't it JFK that said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you and what greater country is there than the kingdom of God? Someone say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Wow, we're making good headway this morning. All right. Well, I'm going to shift uh, a little bit here this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Why did communism fail? Because <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to argue, but, <laughs> you know, when you, when you begin to consider the scriptures and you realize that God has given us spiritual gifts and that we've been called to invest and serve one another, it's uh, hard not to think that communism captured many of the ideals of Christian life. If you think about it, at its foundation, communism was a rejection of a monarchy and the establishment of a nation on the principle that the good of the people comes before the good of the self, Right? And it sounds fantastic, it sounds almost Christian, right? However, though the goals of communism seem to be in alignment with the ideals of Christianity, the fact is the world systems of communism have ended up being far more oppressive than the monarchies they replaced. Now, why is that? Why is that? Well, to understand the answer to that question, you know, we need to go all the way back to Genesis. We need to go all the way back to Genesis. And there you'll see that the, the problem starts with ingratitude. Starts with ingratitude. Starts with ingratitude, and we go all the way back to the garden to see that. Uh, how many have ever heard of Anne Voskamp? Right? She wrote a book called 1,000 Gifts. Uh, not really my type of book, but she did have some good stuff in it. And uh, 
was one of those books that at the same time I had three different people tell me I had to read the book. And I had two different copies given to me. I, and, and I'd flipped through it the first time. I'd even forgotten that I'd, someone had given it to me. And someone gave me a second copy. And then I realized I had two copies of the same book sitting on my desk. And I go, okay, God, you must be saying something to me. So I, I read through the thing. And, and, and I think this is why I read it, was for this portion right here. And I want to read this to you this morning. And uh, she describes the problem with great flair and opens our understanding to the sin of ingratitude. So listen to this. She says, from all our beginnings, we keep uh, reliving the garden story. Satan, he wanted more, more power, more glory. Ultimately, in essence, Satan is an ingrate. And he sinks his venom into the heart of Eden. Satan's sin becomes the first sin of all humanity, the sin of ingratitude. Adam and Eve are simply, painfully, ungrateful for what God gave. Isn't that the catalyst for all of my sins? Our fall was, has always been, and always will be that we aren't satisfied in God and what he gives. We hunger for something more, something other. Standing before that tree, laden with fruit withheld, we listen to evil's murmur. In the days that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, Genesis 3.5. But in the beginning, our eyes were already open. Our sight was perfect. Our vision let us see a world spilling with goodness. Our eyes fell on nothing but the glory of God. We saw God as he truly is, good. But we were lured by the deception that there was more to a full life. There was more to see. And true, there was more to see. The ugliness that we hadn't beheld, the sinfulness we hadn't witnessed, the loss that we hadn't known. We eat, and in an instant we see. Everywhere we look, we see a world of lack, a universe of loss, a cosmos of scarcity and injustice. We are hungry, we eat, we are filled and emptied. And still we look at the fruit and see only the material means to fill our emptiness. We don't see the material world for what it is meant to be as a means to communion with God. We look and swell with the ache of a broken, battered planet, what we ascribe as the negligent work of an indifferent creator, if we even think that there is one. Do we ever think of this busted up place as the result of us ingrates, unsatisfied, we who punctured it all with one bite. The po fruit's poison has infected the whole of humanity. If I'm ruthlessly honest, she concludes, I may have said yes to God, yes to Christianity, but really I have lived the no. I have. Wow. But I think you see why communism failed. The reason it failed is because it ignores the sin problem, more pointedly, it ignores the sin of ingratitude. Since man was, in his unredeemed nature, is essentially ungrateful and filled with self-interest, communism, which tries to force everyone into being more concerned with the well-being of, of, of the state rather than themselves, was destined for failure. Communism attempted to shape society so that it looked like Luke's description of the church in Acts chapter 2 but did, tried to do it without the spirit of gratitude that was behind it. Communism's failure was expressed from its leader in the beginning. It was Joseph Stalin who emphatically said, and listen to this, he said, gratitude is a sickness suffered by dogs. Now do we see the problem? That is the foundation of it, and that is why it could not succeed. You compare that statement with those who had a revelation of God's grace. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said, when it comes to life, the critical thing 
is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. Philip Schaeff said, Christ himself wrote nothing but furnished endless material for books and songs of gratitude and praise. Amen? The revelation of God's grace establishes a heart of gratitude, and a heart of gratitude is the foundation of all kinds of other virtuous work. It comes out of the heart of gratitude. You see, in a communist state, they're trying to get people to do virtuous work without an experience without, uh, with God, without a heart of gratitude for all that he has done, and, and believing that somehow we bring it all about ourselves. And it's doomed because we have to start from the foundation of gratefulness. We have to start from the foundation of being thankful. And when we start there, we have something to build on. We have the foundation for society. And the reason our, our, our world is spiraling out of control today isn't because, uh, you know, our prime minister is Trudeau or the president of the states is Trump. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to break your heart if you're loving, bashing one or the other. But the reality is the problem is systemic, and it's a problem of ingratitude. We are a people blessed beyond measure. I hear Christians all the time say to me, oh, the world's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Just terrible. Just falling apart. You know? The reality is just the opposite. No, pastor, you're not paying any attention. That's what happens when you stop watching the news. If you want to do yourself a favor, actually go on the internet and start studying how much the world has changed in the last 200 years. Look at infant mortality rates, literacy rates, healthcare rates. Look at global poverty. Look at all of these things. Every single one of those indexes has improved markedly over the last 100 years. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. The problem is, is that we are looking at our world through such a very finite lens. We're looking at it through a limited amount of exposure to experience and time. So we see only the things that are affecting us here in Belleville, here in Canada, and here in the last five, ten years. And we miss the fact that the world has changed so drastically over the last 200 years, and almost all of it has been an advancement for good. Yes, there are wars, and there's been conflict, and there's been all kinds of things, but even the numbers of people that are, are suffering in those things is steadily going down. The indexes, I, I've got a whole thing I could print off, you could read it, it, it'll blow your mind. But you can find the information, don't trust me, just go look at it on the internet. There's tons of information out there about uh, the changes globally in the last couple hundred years. It's remarkable what's happening. And here's the, the real thrilling thing that I have to tell you in the midst of all of that. The vast majority, everybody say vast majority. The vast majority of that work to improve our world is being done by none other than the body of Christ. It's true. I've traveled to 23 different countries. I've preached the gospel in numerous parts of the world. I have had a privilege of living uh, and breathing and walking with people uh, who are some of the poorest in the world. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that every, almost every NGO that I have encountered has been Christian. I have not met the organization Atheists for Ending World Poverty yet. I have not met the organization called Witches Concerned for Ending Global Miseducation. 
I have not encountered these organizations. Maybe they exist. I don't know, but I've never encountered them. But I've seen all kinds, and I've rubbed shoulders with all kinds of brothers and sisters who are working and laboring intensely to pour the heart and the love of Jesus Christ into this world, improving everything from education to health to, to, to food to, to breaking the back of poverty. I, I just spent time this past week with a guy who has set up a, a bank in uh, Uganda, and its, its purpose is to Lend money, lend money to people who have no access to credit. And I know here we, we talk about how bad credit is and credit's ruining your life and you know you're, you're in debt and blah, 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 blah. And what we don't realize is access to credit is one of the greatest privileges we have in the world. The misuse of it is terrible. Getting your credit cards rung up for, because you bought another thingamajigget for your whatchamacallit is silly and ridiculous. But having access to credit is something that we have and we take for granted. In fact, we abuse it in our culture, but in many parts of the world, it doesn't exist. And the lack of it causes people to be put into uh, financial slavery. It's one of the worst forms of slavery on our planet. It happens all the time in third world countries where they, somebody in the family gets sick and they can't pay the medical bill. So they have to take one of their other children and sell them into slavery to get enough money to pay for this one that's in the hospital. We can't even imagine such a thing. But it exists all over the globe, and it's the number one form of slavery in our world today. And they'll work uh, and slave and work in a sweatshop uh, getting paid, but the interest on the loan is so high that it never gets paid, and that child works its whole life to pay for a bill to service uh, the health of a brother or sister. Are you hearing me this morning? We take it for granted. But this bank is established, and it's, and it's lending out money, and, it's, and they have story after story after story of people who came to them and got money to start this business, start that business, or to, to fix this family problem or that family problem, and they're prospering and they're blossoming because they have access to money. They have access to money with a realistic interest rate of like 4% or 5%. And then the interest money is put back into lending to other people. And the bank just keeps building and building and relending and relending. And it's creating economic liberty for a people who had no access to credit before. It's changing their lives. I know some of you are going, I never looked at it that way before. It's because we don't have to look at it that way because we've had these systems in place for over 100 years. But we're changing the world, folks. One country... One person at a time. Someone say amen. amen. Wow, okay. I say all that to say that the healthy operation and the use of our gifts is and must always remain in the context of gratitude. When we have an attitude of gratitude, we're able to serve one another and love one another and to uh, make the body of Christ function so well together. Um, but it all depends and hinges on our attitude. A college student, uh, co-ed, she wrote home to her parents and she said, mom, Dear Mom and Dad, just thought I'd drop you a note, clue you into my plans. I fall in love with a guy named Jim. He quit high school after grade 11 to get married. About a year ago, he got a divorce. We've been going steady for two months now, planning to get married in the fall. Until then, I've decided to move into his apartment. I think I might be pregnant. At any rate, I dropped out of school last week although I would like to finish college sometime in the future. On the next page, she continued, 
mom and dad, just wanted you to know that everything I've written so far in this letter is false. None of it is true. But mom, dad, it is true that I got a C in French and I flunked math. It is true that I'm going to need some money for my tuition payments to be able to finish my college year. Love, your daughter. <laughs> See, now, isn't it just amazing how much better you can feel about a C in French and flunking math after your attitude has been adjusted a little bit, right? And uh, perspective really does affect our attitude, doesn't it? How we look at something determines how we feel about that particular situation. And this young girl, she had a pretty good strategy, let me tell you. And, uh, you know, everybody has their pet peeves. One of my pet peeves is people who always see the glass half empty. I don't really enjoy being around people that are always negative, 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 negative. Half empty, half empty, half empty, half empty. You know, uh, the reality is you got to get freed up from that perspective. And you have to step into a, a perspective of God's view of things, God's lens, God's hope, God's joy. People who can't distinguish the incidental from the essential or the, the temporary from, uh, you know, the partial. These are people that drive me crazy. And, uh, you know... You know, the whole thing, you can't see the, the forest for the trees because you're so fixated on this one little problem, you can't see all the other blessings that are there. And uh, that drives me nuts. So, sometimes people just need to realize that in order to shift your life, all you need is a shift in your perspective. If you just start looking at things differently, it starts making different sense to you. And you're able to uh, have uh, a much better future because you've chosen to look at things differently. Paul reminds us in Colossians 2, 6, and 7, he said, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened into faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. We're to walk in that kind of thankfulness that we had just as we had when we were first saved. James seems to understand this too. He says in James chapter 4, he said, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires battle within you? You want something, you don't get it. You kill, you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you don't ask God. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it to get things on your, for your pleasure. James makes it clear that all of our infighting and backbiting is because we want it our way. We want our things, our stuff, my way, my, my opinion, my whatever, right? But if we were truly thankful for one another and truly thankful for the person beside us in the body of Christ, the quarreling and the fighting would stop. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to exercise a positive attitude toward one another. We're going to be thankful for each other. And we're going to let it show. Yeah, we're going to let it show. We're not going to hold back. We're going to let people know that we appreciate them. We're going to be vocal with our thankfulness. Don't just express it to God in prayer. Don't just say, well, God, I'm so thankful for my wife. Actually tell her, I'm thankful for you, dear. Let her know. So many times we'll be praying at dinner, just the two of us, and I'll, and I'll pray and and, you know, it's easy for it to become routine, but one of the things I love to do is I say, thank God, I thank you for my wife. She gets to hear me say that. I don't just tell God that when I'm by myself. I want to say when I'm in front of her. More brownie points that way. <laughs> Are you hearing me this morning? It's a beautiful thing. 
It's a beautiful thing when we actually express it to one another. It's a sign of, listen to this, this is a great quote. It's a sign of mediocrity when you demonstrate gratitude with moderation. <laughs> Can I say that again? It's a sign of mediocrity when you demonstrate gratitude with moderation. In other words, don't hold back. Go all in. Go all in. No one is more impoverished than the one who has no gratitude. Gratitude is a currency that we can mint for ourselves. Hear this? We, we can print it ourselves and spend it without fear of bankruptcy. <laughs> you can print it yourself, mint it yourselves, and spend it without any fear of bankruptcy. In other words, you can keep giving gratefulness and gratitude and thankfulness away over and over and over again, and you'll still have an abundance of it in your heart. In fact, the more you give it away, the more grateful you'll become. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Wow. All right. I'm done. Let me just, uh, let me just read to you something that seems to be fitting on this day. Uh, since it's Thanksgiving Sunday, the Americans started this thing down in the States. Pilgrims. 1600s. And uh, I want to read you something from the... Uh, William Bradford, governor of Plymouth Colony in 1623. Listen to what he said. 390 years ago, inasmuch as the great father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, beans, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, and inasmuch as he has protected us from the ravages of the weather, has spared us from the pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all you pilgrims, with your wives and little ones, do gather at the meeting house on the hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the day on Thursday, November 29th of the year of our Lord, 1,623. And the third year since we pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock, there to listen to your pastor, listen to your pastor, and render thanksgiving to Almighty God for all His blessings. Amen. You know, there's many things we picked up from the Americans, but nothing's better than having thanksgiving. Are you hearing me? And we are so filled with gratitude today for all that God has done, but there's nothing we should be more grateful for than each other. Amen. We're going to celebrate around the communion table this morning. And um, we're going to worship the Lord together around this table. And, you know, we talk about the communion table. We talk about inviting people to come and be healed at communion. We talk about, uh, you know, inviting people to, uh, to experience God's salvation and his love. But, you know, one of the greatest uh, things that we do around the table is that we fellowship one with another. It's one of the greatest pictures of Christian family is the fact that we gather and we celebrate uh, the Lord's death till he comes. And communion is one of those opportunities that we have to celebrate Jesus together. Amen? I'm going to call the, uh, the uh, elders forward, and we're going to pick up the emblems here, and in just a moment we're going to ask you to come and serve together this morning. It might be a little low here, Mark, coming up this morning. Where did Sheldon disappear to? <laughs> I think they're bringing the kids down for communion this morning.
kids make their way in this morning. story that Jesus gathered with his disciples before he went to the cross he gathered with them and he gave them some instruction about living together interesting right Jesus has got these final moments with his disciples and his focus his aim is on giving them instructions about living together sharing together and as part of that he stops and he says for I received, and Paul reminds us of this in Scripture, and he says, For I received from the Lord which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take and eat this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, Jesus took the cup and after supper, and he said, This cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And, uh, you know, Paul points out to us that, that Jesus took time to hold these emblems up and to remind them of what was going to happen not many hours ahead as he was going to be taken to the cross and crucified on their behalf. That it was going to be about sacrifice, that... Ultimately, living together in the body of Christ is about making sacrifices for one another. And Jesus made the greatest sacrifice when he laid his life down to make all of this possible. All of it possible. Communion becomes the greatest symbol of Christian community, of Christian family. As we break bread together, we remember the Lord's death together. It's something that we do together. And that's why what we do here is we ask everybody to come up and you're going to break a piece off of the, one of the loaves and you're going to take a cup and we ask you to go back to your seat and then we all partake together as a symbol of the community that we have in one another by his blood and by his broken body. Amen. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand together this morning. Father, we just thank you for the great sacrifice that was made through Jesus Christ, that we might all become sons of God, that we might become family, that we might become the bride of Christ, that we may become your, your children, your sons, your daughters, joined together in your presence. Father, your goal is always to make a family, to have a people that were your own, Father, we thank you that you accomplished that mission through Jesus Christ. And 
we all stand here together as your family today, celebrating what Jesus did on our behalf. Thank you so much for what you have done for each and every one of us. Amen. I'm going to ask at this time as the musicians uh, are going to lead us in song together to come up and receive the emblems. You can just come up in the front, break off a piece and take a, a cup, return to your seat, and we uh, then we'll all partake together after everyone's seated. body, and then we'll partake of the emblem of his body this morning, the bread. Amen. As we have our attitude of gratitude this morning, mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the sacrifice, Heavenly Father, that you made for each and every one of us here as you sent your son to come to this earth to live among us and that one day he would be the perfect sacrifice so that we, so that we could be delivered yes, by your mercy and grace. And Father, as uh, Heavenly Father, as, as Jesus came to this earth and as he broke, his body was broken for us, mm -hmm. by those stripes we are healed. Yes. Father, uh, that always jumps out at me that we can live because of your sacrifice mm -hmm. with healing on this earth, that we, can, that we can have the perfect, what you wanted for us. Yes. And so, Father, this morning, if there's anyone here, I just pray right now that they will just grab a hold of that if they're feeling broken this morning, if they're feeling sick, if their body's broken, that, Father, that they will grab a hold of how that yes. by your stripes we are healed. Jesus. And we give you thanks for that. I, I thought of this this morning as I got up bright and early to go to the gym, and I was thanking you that I was physically able to do that. And so, Father, we give you thanks for all the blessings in our lives. We give you thanks, Father for the body that was broken for each and every one in this room. And as we partake of this right now, this emblem, help us to remember that, mm -hmm. that you are the perfect sacrifice. And because of yes. your love for us, you, we're able to walk in that also. Yes, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the broken body this morning. Thank you, Jesus. No, 
same night, Lord, you held up that loaf of bread as a symbol of your body. You also held up the cup and you said, this is a cup of a new covenant. A new covenant written in your blood. That we would no longer be people known as people of the law. We'd be known as people of the kingdom of grace. Kingdom of love. A new commandment, Jesus said, I've given unto you. A new commandment. That you what? Love one another. That's who we're meant to be. And it's the covenant of his blood that was written for us that we could love one another. That we could, even in the even in the, the, the nearest comparison to it as Jesus has done it to us, we're able to do it because of his blood. Let's partake in the emblem of his blood together this morning. Just lift your hands in thanks to him this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the sacrifice of your son. Our minds are completely blown. We who are parents in this room, we, we just think to ourselves, God, how could someone make a sacrifice for someone else so great? And yet, God, that's what you did on our behalf. You made that sacrifice on our behalf. And Father, it was so difficult, I'm sure, to watch your son uh, as he suffered. And I know that you knew what was going to happen, and you knew the end before the beginning, and we know all that. But Father, as, as he bled, as he died, as he cried out to you and said, God, why have you forsaken me? Father, I know that your heart was wrenched at that moment. The anguish in your spirit as your son suffered on our behalf. And we thank you, Lord, today that his suffering brought our life, that by his stripes we are healed. And we thank you for that revelation and that truth today. We give you praise because, Lord, you have loved us and empowered us with a new commandment to love one another. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord. Amen. If you would like prayer this morning, we believe that, that even though our theme today has been about being thankful for one another, we also believe this is to be a table of healing. And if you need healing in your body this morning, we want to pray with you. We want to believe God for healing in your body. Uh, if you need to go, I understand. Uh, we're a little later than usual with communion and everything this morning. We trust you have a phenomenal Thanksgiving Sunday and Monday. We want to bless you and release God's love to you. Have a great week, but these altars are open for prayer this morning.